good day, good afternoon, good night. How you doing? This is MCM and you're listening to You're Probably Right. Today we are going to have a serious conversation. Well, maybe not a serious conversation, but there's going to be a serious talk happening here. Now, of course, I'm only doing the talking, but just stay tuned. Hello. (laughs) Here we go. This is You're Probably Right, and you are listening to your host, MCM. Yeah. Thinking to make this one still a part of 100, episode 100, that is. This is You're Probably Right. I am MCM, and... You're welcome in my house anytime. Figuratively speaking, of course. Um, <laughs> this is a pretty long episode. It's kind of continuation. I'm just letting it all rock for one. So this might be an episode that's longer than two hours. Um, still haven't decided whether or not I should leave it open for everyone. Or maybe just those who subscribe to the podcast. I haven't done that yet. So, if you're hearing this and you don't subscribe, then I changed my mind. (laughs) Yeah, that's how we're doing it. Okay, so, still have a few questions. There's been a lot of questions on this um, podcast. You know, going back to my younger years, so I got to open up a can of... Yeah. And that's what it is. Open up a can. Coke Zero for you boozers. I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> um, anyhow, I'm just joking. Kanye boozer. I mean, if you are, then you need to think about it. <laughs> Why are you? What can you do about it? And stop. <laughs> Fight it. Fight that power. Fight that dark power that's forcing you to be controlled by a substance. And the best way I know to encourage anybody to do that for starters <laughs> would be to have your mind renewed daily by the word of God now if you are a believer this is something that is really possible if you're not a believer to use the word in that way it probably won't work except I mean maybe psychologically it might it might do a little something but you really have to believe the word. You have to profess the word. It has to be a part of you. It has to give you newness of life, regeneration within you to um, really be affected in your life. I know there's people like, I'm an individual who listened to a lot of lectures by Jordan Peterson. Um, I learned a lot about his struggles, the diet that he's been using, his daughter's been using, um, learned about him and his wife, his um, lectures um, when he was um, still working at Toronto, uh, UFT in Toronto. Um, I learned about all of the, um, the different um, events that he's put on around the world, um, the different conversations he's had. Um, even him delving into things like Pinocchio, (laughs) um, and giving us the lowdown on 
what it means I call it psychologically um, and the different parts and characters in the in the movie or, or the book um, but when it comes to the stuff that he's been doing lately um, maybe on the Orthodox um, Catholic side of Christianity I guess some people consider Catholic or Catholicism or Roman Catholicism I should say it's, there's a difference um, part of Christianity but um, I, I tend to stay away I've heard a little bit of him talking about it but um, <clears throat> the book <laughs> is not just a book the 66 books of the Bible are not just are not just a regular book written by some randoms who um, had a great vivid imagination and piggybacked off of one another I believe that the Bible was written as or from or by inspiration of the Holy Spirit the stories of Jesus are true someone asked me if I believe Noah's Ark in the story and I said yes I straight up said I believe 100% of the Bible is true exactly how it is told I realize there are some stories that are been told in there for example but stuff like did God create the earth in six days yes I believe that did Noah's Ark really happen yes I believe that so stuff like that or when he read uh, he fed the 5,000 men and women and children with I think two loaves and five fishes or maybe vice versa whatever it is and then they took up 13 baskets after meanwhile they only had a couple things or of each um yeah i believe all those things i believe he healed the woman with the issue of blood i believe he he turned water into wine i believe he healed the 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 paralyzed man i believe he healed the man who had one shorter arm than the other from um what's it called i can't remember what the disease is called um, where he had the one withered withered hand um, I believe he he healed the blind man I believe all of the things that it says in the Bible I believe what Elijah did I believe what you know Jericho <laughs> yeah, seven times that I shout you know um, so anyways yeah <laughs> so the Bible can help I mean it is useful in a society you know from just a, a standpoint of right and wrong, I guess, in the, the basic sense. But it goes to a whole nother level when you are in Christ, a believer. In Christ. Okay? Anyhow, that's my two cents. If you don't believe me, well, guess what? I'm not going to tell you probably right this time. But that is the name of this, this podcast. And... Remember, I do not profess to be a professor of anything. I'm a Christian and I speak the word of God. In most of the things that I say, I try to come from that lens if I'm not giving my own opinion. Otherwise, it is just opinion. And that's how we doing it. So, yeah. Here we go. So here were some questions. Um, the last few things that I've been talking about has like delved into things about um, my culture, uh, my childhood, and that's pretty much where we're focused right at this point. So we got another few questions here. Well, a lot of questions really, but I don't know how deep. Well, I can't say because I honestly have not. I just 
put these questions out on on a printout pretty much well not on a printout on a screen and I'm just gonna go over them fresh and new as if the person was sitting right in front of me asking these questions themselves okay honestly I may not answer the questions <clears throat> the same way if I had them for a day and I had time to really think on them but um to make it more interviewish <laughs> or interview like I'd rather just get them fresh now I can't say every interview is like that because as far as I know a lot of people who do interview type podcasts they tend to give the person the questions um, maybe maybe 20 questions and maybe they might whittle it down to 20 and they still might refuse to talk about certain things where I'm just going kind of off the cuff just fresh and new reading it I'm not the greatest reader <laughs> out loud to people um, but I'm gonna try to what I can answer and if you notice certain parts of questions I'm not fully answering it's either I'm forgetting to answer it properly or there's certain parts I just can't really say hundred percent okay so anyhow we're just gonna start it off by number one okay so individual asks how did you cope with the mistreatment you received from your peers and teachers during your time at public school <laughs> now <clears throat> if you've been listening you know what public school I went to and if you're in Toronto then well maybe not even you'd have to really be uh, growing up around that part of North York for really to even really know that school but um yeah we'll just leave it at that okay so how did I cope with mistreatment? I just took it. I grinned and, and bared. <laughs> I grinned and bared. Um, you know, I remember one thing. And I, again, I'm just going back into like the my younger self's head. So things that that pop up for me, I'm going to I'm going to talk about. Now, one day this might be able to help other people who've gone through such things that I've gone through. And I realize a lot of people have gone through a lot worse than I have. And some people haven't gone through what I've went through and, uh, you know, maybe to a lighter extent, but um, I think it can help people if I'm trying to do, I'm trying to be as honest as I can and as clear and concise as I can possibly be. But I understand that sometimes I will mutter on for a bit, like I just did in between the questions while reading it. It says, how did you cope with mistreatment, the mistreatment you received from your peers and teachers during your time at public school? Well, how did I cope? You know, I can't say that I really coped properly, but there's one thing that I do remember. I remember we used to play this, um, kids back in my day, especially grade four, grade five, were really into wrestling, WWF. Now it's called the WWE. Back then, our fighters, I'm just giving you the time. <laughs> I guess it really depends. Um, it was the time of um, the Anvil, Neidhart, and um, Ric Flair, um, Coco Beware, um, the Junkyard Dog, those times. Andre the Giant, 
Um, Hulk was just coming up. You know, Bobby the Brain Heenan. <clears throat> Ultimate Warrior, those guys. And we used to play wrestling in in the in the park or whatever in the yard at school. And I used to play along. Now, basically the deal was it was fake. <laughs> so whether we knew at that time that it was really 100% fake, I don't think we really did. But we used to play a fake version. And basically what it was is we'd always let the, the main dude, the, the, the head honcho of the, <laughs> the coolest guy in the class, um, basically win most of the fights. And sometimes he would take the beating. But then, of course, he'd come back like Hulk Hogan and, and stomp the person out or whatever the case is. And in most cases, a lot of it was fake. But every once in a while, kind of like we hear of, um, what's his name? Uh, Steven Seagal. Every once in a while, he'd whack you. <laughs> for real or some people or at least he knew who to do it to um and there are certain people he would do it but me now whatever they were laying down i would go through it but i'd be smiling <laughs> as weird as it sounds and it wasn't because i was a glutton for punishment i don't know if it was just i was just happy to be able to play with other kids at that time because of all the nonsense that was going on inside the classroom and I was just happy that I wasn't being um, psychologically bullied <laughs> at those times but I would just play along with the wrestling game but I wouldn't I, first of all they didn't do anything that would hurt me or maybe I was just too strong for them to really hurt me part per se I don't really know what it was but they'd always they'd start calling me I started being called smiley because I was just smiling Yeah, so for whatever reason, I was called Smiley at that time. And um, I guess, again, maybe I was just proud to, and happy to be there. But um, how I was really, I guess, when I, that's just one kind of situation or things that we were doing um, with sports, which was our mainstay of that group and those boys of that age. We were playing hockey. I was always top two top three players whenever we we're playing most sports or doing anything physical my um academics was a whole nother story because <laughs> by grade three ish they had put me into the back in those days the special class <laughs> spec ed and um where i would go to get extra help which when at those times our special ed class was kind of like do less and just be and not be a nuisance or hold the other class the rest of the other classes from from learning or whatever it is so they pulled me out of french and decided that they were going to give me more help in um, things like math and english and i can't really say i got help in math and english because the teacher was mostly concerned about behavior so those kids that were considered hyperactive back then would take up most of the teacher's time in a special ed class as they would in a regular mainstream class but it would better it'd be better if there was like you know seven of you and that kid was monopolizing all the time rather than monopolizing the time with the whole 25 so there's a lot of kids that benefited from many kids being pulled out like myself maybe i needed extra help but the teacher didn't have to do that because they sent you to special ed and those kids who were supposedly hyperactive they were sent there too but of course someone like me <laughs> who needed extra help really even less 
benefited from being in a class with a bunch of kids bouncing off the walls because then I'm definitely getting no help at all. They just set you aside and say, here, do this, this, uh, this math sheet that we know that you can already do. There was no challenge. So my um, learning really did wane at that time. I'd have been better off just stuck in the regular class with other kids. <clears throat> so from grade three, maybe I think it was grade four, really grade four, grade five, grade six, grade seven, grade eight. So I was always I felt like I was always losing education as I went in that class. I know that they thought they were just taking you out of French, but sometimes it wouldn't work out that way. You would miss other things. You'd come back like in the middle of language or something like that when they've been taught something. So, you know, so punctuation, it's like I, it's like I missed that as a young kid. So, you know, where comma goes, um, writing, reading properly, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just from a academics uh, point of it, like my parents had no time to teach me anything at home. I was not getting any help at home as far as reading, writing, or arithmetic. And I know that sometimes my older sibling, my, probably my, my um, sister that was two years older than me at the time, um, would be forced to maybe sit down with me a little bit, or my older, older sister would have to try to help me, or my cousins who were living with us at the time would try as well. But I honestly learned nothing from them. I can't think of anything that they actually helped me with. Um, I might have started tying my shoe at grade three, possibly somebody, whatever, they helped me and helped me and helped me and maybe one day I got it just by doing the, <laughs> the, the, rat, the, what do you call it? The bunny ears. And I still do it to this day. I can do the other one, but the bunny ears is just so much easier and they work. So I just do it <laughs> still maybe a lot faster than I used to. So it's not so obvious, but yeah, I just stuck with it. It works. So why break it? Why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. <laughs> I never graduated to the regular way. All right, moving right along. <clears throat> so really I pushed most of my feelings down there were times that I tried to um, express what I was going through I talked a little bit about that earlier um, to my mom but she didn't really catch on to what was really happening she had no experience with it um, my two older siblings seemed to be able to muscle along in school and So yeah, <clears throat> sorry about that. Yeah, guys, I was talking for about 15 minutes just now and I somehow stopped recording. <laughs> so all those gems that you could have heard just now, I was really motoring along there, as I just said. Um, but unfortunately, I have lost it. So I'm back. Let's see which question I didn't or did answer. I, I don't think I answered this question. Kind of throws it off, but I'm going to continue. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Do you believe that interracial discrimination and prejudice is a significant issue that needs to be addressed within the black community? And my answer answer would be no. <laughs> I think it does get um, it does get addressed and it has as I've gotten older. I remember being a kid from black uh, from black from Jamaica. Um, many kids or people who were, you know, called Jamaican <laughs> when they were from one of the other islands like Barbados, like Trinidad, like Guyana, which is not really in the West Indies, but is 
West Indies uh, Jace, um, like St. Thomas, St. Lucia, St. Kitts, St. Vincent, St. Martinique, St. Martin, um, and the list goes on, Grenada. Um... Uh, <laughs> So people were called Jamaican. So I would say Jamaican was probably considered by most outsiders of, say, West the West Indian culture as the coolest one. And it's probably because we had um, we had Bob Marley, <laughs> Bob Marley and the Whalers. We had uh, Peter Tosh and we had uh, Jimmy Cliff. We had, um, you know, then there's Marcus Garvey who moved you know the black national movement in the states and um just people through history that were considered kind of cool i guess we had people who you know rastafarians and people who wore dreadlocks um or believers in rastafarianism that um i guess kind of looked cool to people and our, even though there were other cultures i mean other people from other countries doing it as well it seemed like it was the hotbed of um that that lifestyle and there was also the music reggae which has somehow gone into Afrobeats and all the, those, but that's a whole other story. Anyhow, um, but you know, there's the light skin, there was the, the good, the good hair, you know, there was different, different people for different things. And, you know, sometimes you'd have dark skinned people who were against people who were light, but oftentimes you had dark-skinned people who preferred light so sometimes they would people would get together as far as relationships are concerned honestly by the good hair <laughs> light skin uh, mixed hair whatever you want to call it um it, it was a it's a mess <laughs> it had been a mess it's it's nice that um people have now started to embrace the african hair you know the the melanin in your skin you know, which we can um, really take in the vitamin D from the sun. And, you know, I think things are look look a lot better um, as far as that interracial, interracial discrimination is concerned. I know it's still there. I know there's some people who would never like date or marry somebody who is dark skinned, whether they were dark skinned themselves or those who are light skinned who tend to stay with their own, <laughs> even though within the black community, it's really funny. And you feel the vibe. You've heard the vibe. And then you have those people who are really, really light who will only deal with the dark-skinned person because they want a little color themselves. And, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be. So I don't believe it's something that needs to be addressed. I think it has been addressed. And um, I think they allow... They allow I think people have, have more, you know, kind of resolve within themselves that they'll just allow people to desire or to be with whatever they want to be with and they don't let it affect them as much and you know maybe through media maybe through um social media i guess through television where they've they've had more representation of all colors of the black culture so it's not just you know you see one black guy in a movie and it happens to be somebody very very light-skinned or with so-called good hair you'll you see all types now you know and i guess that's good so the dark kids maybe who don't feel so beautiful or so good looking have lots of representation in mainstream media and because um social media is such a big thing like tiktok and twitter and instagram and stuff like that you do kids can see people who definitely look like them in some way shape or form which i would say that would be one of the healthier sides of social media if there are any <laughs> which you know 
there are the, you know, learn how to do this, learn how to do that, how to fix this, how to fix that, do it yourself stuff, whatever it is that help. And then there's a lot of wackadoodle stuff. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm really, I really apologize guys. Cause I cut off a really good, um, session and it's hard for me to duplicate stuff. Cause it just, you know, I answer a question as honest as I can. And it's like, once I've gotten that idea out, it's out. It could come back again in uh, another episode way down the line, but um, I just try to be as clear and as um, genuine as I can in the moment of answering these questions. How do you think your negative experiences with your teachers impacted your relationships with authority figures in education in general? Not very much, to tell you the truth. I mean, for whatever reason, I took individuals as teachers as an individual, as a teacher. So I did not um, say that, you know, all teachers are horrible because I had a couple bad teachers from grade four to five or grade six or whatever it was. Like, I didn't, I don't hold that against other people. I didn't, I didn't all of a sudden say, okay, well, that means all teachers are bad. So, um, you know, I allow people to (laughs) fail me, if anything, (laughs) before I just say that that's what they do. So I've had no issues with with authority figures. Um, I think in that way, I think my parents were really good um, role models for me. I treated people maybe by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. (laughs) And I didn't, it wasn't something that I needed to be taught. I mean, it wasn't something that needed to be said. I wasn't one of the people that needed to hear um, Martin Luther King's speech. You know, I have a dream and all that. It was there. What impact do you think your experiences at public school had on your personal and professional development later on in life? (laughs) Well, I alluded to it it earlier. I am a person who obviously, from doing all these podcasts on my own, I like to get my ideas out. I do like to write and research um, topics to a certain extent. I like to share my ideas. I like to share my experiences. The only thing is when I've tried to write, my experiences in school, public school especially, shaped a lot of my abilities to do things. So I had the desire, um, I had some, I'd say intellect, But then when it came to putting things down on paper, I would make dumb mistakes. I would put capitals where they don't belong, commas when I just felt like it was a good place for a comma. (laughs) Um, You know, um, many things like that. So it really bugs me because I've tried to learn to an extent of what the rules are, but I still screw up. And it just, I just feel like if I had soaked it in earlier in life, then it would have helped me in the future. Now we do have many tools that help us with those things, but 
sometimes you know i don't know where things go properly and i just kind of guess it out i try to read it out and think oh a comic can go here there's a little break it's not a full end of the thought and you know <laughs> different stuff like that so it has affected me but sometimes i'm able to totally overcome those obstacles because of the issues that i had in my formative years Have you ever confronted or spoken to the cousins or teachers who mistreated you during your time at public school? Well, cousins, not so much, but it was kind of a cousin of Jace. <laughs> but on the teacher, no. But you know, funny enough, I did speak to somebody who was mentored by um, the main teacher that I was speaking of um, about my bad situations in public school. And that person, funny enough, they were treated like gold by that teacher. Uh, and you know what? That person actually ended up helping me a lot. So it's funny how things work. And you know, that's why sometimes you hear Christians say that all things work together to those that are, you know, called according to his purpose like wait, wait all things all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose and god's purpose and so i was treated bad mostly i'm not saying he was like the man from hell but there was just stuff that just shouldn't have happened and there's things that weren't appropriate he he should have noticed me getting bullied for two, two and a half years before he was replaced by another dude. I was going to call him a clown, but just, just another teacher. Um, there's things that he should have noticed. There was times when, you know, I was being called by my last name and I did not like it. And he started doing it as well. There was things that were picked up. There was times when I was asked if I was stupid. And this is a grown man saying this to a kid who's nine. And I'm not your kid. There was um, certain behaviors that he would um, display in front of my parents or my mom, really, because she was the only one who ever went to any of my parent-teacher meetings or anything like that. And it was totally fake. And his, his attitude was totally different in front of my mom, of course, because I guess it would have to be because he doesn't know. Even though my mom was gentle as lamb, she wasn't one of those women who was going to curse him out there. But I guess he didn't know that. And she carried herself with grace and with dignity so he had nothing to do but behave himself i guess in front of my mom but um i never got to confront him i would have liked to as an adult who knows where he is now but i mean the funny thing is i could have went to try to confront him imagine he wouldn't even he'd be worse if he didn't even remember me <laughs> but no i didn't ever get the chance and that would have been cool or not <laughs> Lucky I wasn't one of those people who had a list. <laughs> like that dude, I think it was in um in Happy Gil. No, not Happy Gil. Billy Madison. When that guy marked um, Billy off of his list because he said sorry. <laughs> when they were like in their 20s or 30s or whatever. What lesson did you learn from your experience at public school? How have they shaped your perspective on life and society? Um, well, I learned how to help other people. Who've gone, who are going through some of the things that I've gone through or things that are like the things that I've gone through. It's helped me to have more patience with people. It's helped me to fend for other people who seem to be going through difficult times in you know the same way. 
Um, it's helped me to be an advocate for those who are being bullied in most cases. So it's helped me. Um, and you know, the funny thing is the stuff that I went through, I would never look back and say, I wish it was different in that sense. Like those were, I'm telling you right now, as I remember them, there were some really, 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 really torturous times for me as an individual, but it taught me so much. And I think if I had slid through school, I might've been maybe more successful in some ways, maybe in my education, um, especially my earlier, like, um, what do you call it? Like elementary to high school years or whatever it is. Cause I was fine, I guess, in most of my college, but, um, I mean, I, all those valuable lessons I learned from that. Now, maybe my coping mechanisms and the way I dealt with people could have been different. But again, I learned that as well, that the way I was coping with things and the way that I dealt with things wasn't exactly the right thing. So I would know to maybe teach others how to deal with it a little bit better than I did. So I guess I, at the end of the day, through all the crap I went through, I really thank God for the education at the end of it. Do you believe that educators and school administrators have a responsibility to address issues of discrimination and prejudice within their schools? Obviously. <laughs> I think everybody in society has a responsibility. When you are able to do something, you should do something. And I believe that everyone is able to do something. Maybe you can only do something at a level one. Maybe you can just tell somebody else that somebody else is going through something. Talk to parents. Um, talk to bullies. Talk to those being bullied. But not just look the other way. So everybody has a responsibility, yes, of course. But it doesn't just um, sit with educators and administrators. It, it sits with parents. It sits, sits with parents to be able to take time, spend time with your kid, and know what's happening with, with your kid, you know? And I'm telling you, that's not lost on anybody. Like, it's something that I learned, but I can't say that I was perfect when it came to my own kids, even. There were certain things that I missed because I was missing stuff. There was like holes in my education in many respects and therefore there's no way that I could have brought everything to the table because I didn't have everything to bring to the table you know I might have had a knife but I didn't have a fork <laughs> I might have had a sandwich but I didn't have a plate like you know so when it came time to sit at the table of being a parent there were some things that I just didn't have had I didn't have and some things I didn't know even existed <laughs> like man maybe if you if you grew up in the sticks somewhere maybe you didn't even know what a fork was maybe you only used um chopsticks or maybe you only used your hands you know what i mean like so therefore there weren't things you couldn't twirl you wouldn't you couldn't learn to twirl spaghetti around a fork with a spoon even let's say if you never even used a spoon and a fork <laughs> so the, that's the kind of thing that like i went to i went to um i guess into parenthood with little holes here and there so from what I knew, I tried to do my best to teach. And I still do that with my even my older kids. I try to explain, show the picture, and, and um, you know, give an idea, get feedback, talk it over, um, and see how me and whichever child it is that's going through whatever it is can um, deal with the situation, learn from situations or problems and struggles, and help others at the same time and learn to help others. Yeah. So yeah, I believe everybody can help. How can an individual, uh, 
How can individuals and communities work to promote inclusivity and respect for diversity, even in situations where there may be intragroup tension or conflict? Um, you know, I'm not gonna say I'm the kind of person that's like in, like for all for all social justice and like that's the, the, a lot of the questions seem to be more leaning in that direction, but I just believe in justice. So I believe that if you're white, you should be treated properly. If you're black, properly. Brown, properly. If you're um, from wherever you're from, I believe that you have, you should be dealt the respect. You should be given the respect that anybody would expect for themselves. No more and no less. Now, I do believe that we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So I know that we're all sinful. But I don't think one color is more sinful than any other color. And nor do I believe any color deserves more or less respect. All these weird things that are happening in society with knockout games, with um, people over explaining their heritage and apologizing for things that they didn't even do, apologizing for the sins of their forefathers and all that stuff. I don't, I'm, I'm not down with it at all. What advice would you give to an individual who may be experiencing mistreatment or discrimination from their peers or authority figures, and how can they seek support and advocate for themselves effectively? Well, advice, the only advice I would say is do your best not to be fearful. Do your best to advocate for yourself and understand that there are individuals who are probably dealing with a lot worse than you are dealing with. Understand that what you're going through isn't going to last forever. Everything has an expiry date and everyone has an expiry date. Live life to the fullest. Learn about the Word of God in the Bible. The God of the Bible is real. There are many encouraging words and scriptures. Once you are especially a regenerate soul in the family of God, the scriptures of the Bible can help you out a lot if you would take the time to read it yourself. If you, if you would take the time to find a Bible-believing church that explains the scriptures, reads the scriptures, lives by the scriptures, where there's camaraderie between believers, people that can bolster you up. Maybe you need that support on the weekend. Maybe you need that prayer meeting or you need that Bible study or you need that youth group or you need that friend group of friends who believe as you do that can support you when you're going through these things. Because sometimes, well, all times, parents need support in raising their kids. Because we can't see everything. And if you have some supportive people around you who have one mind, who walk as you do, who are in this world but are not of the world, to help you to deal with things, it, it helps a lot.
but mostly you will be able to help others who are going through what you're going through and going through worse. And yes, you can seek help. Don't be scared to get help. Don't be scared. Don't stay in the corner somewhere off to yourself while somebody cows you down or bullies you down to nothing, to feel nothing. Feel like nothing. Learn to advocate for yourself. If something's not right, say something. If you say something to one person and they don't hear you or they ignore you or they don't understand, say something to someone else. Protect yourself mentally and physically. If somebody comes at you for no reason, you can answer them with a soft answer, but with a backbone. Don't bend to everything that somebody would try to say and tell you what you're supposed to think or what you're supposed to be just because they feel a way. You know, even as old as I am now, I've had person, a person at my um, job telling me about what I should think like I'm the, or we're all supposed to be company people. No, you are an individual working for a company. They are benefiting from your service as well. It doesn't mean you have to erase your own belief system. If you have to erase or you're willing to erase your belief system just because you're working for a company, then something's wrong with you and you're not really what you say you are. You are not what you say you are. You are what you do. So you have a responsibility. Yeah, you can keep your head down if you want. But trust me, you will not be able to put your head low enough for somebody not to want to knock it off in some respects. So stand up for who you are as a Christian. Stand up for who you are as a believer. Stand on the word of God, knowing that God has your back. Know that all things work together for those who are in Christ. Everything will work out, one way or the other. <laughs> but do not bow. Advocate for yourself. And that'd be my two cents. Anyhow, I'm going to close this episode off. This is my hundredth episode. Uh, again, I do apologize for that um, probably 15 or 20 minutes that I lost in the middle of it. So there might be a little part of the, the podcast that doesn't have perfect continuity. But um, listen, it's not that bad. There were a couple times where I actually did full podcasts and it wasn't recording at all. <laughs> so I just yammered on with myself for an hour before. So, And I'm sure it'll happen again. But anyhow, this is... MCM and you're listening to you're probably right. Thanks for coming out and we'll see you again. Take care. Hey, come check out you probably right podcast. Society is getting more unpredictable every day, but at the same time, predictable in its unpredictability. Say that four times real fast. Come with me as I attempt to find clarity in all the fog while staying way outside the box and kicking the box way down the road with my size 12 docks. <laughs> I use the Bible, experience, education, fortune, misfortune, life's lessons, life's mistakes to sort through all the mess. I talk about news, God, uh oh, yeah, God, self help, sports, sickness, health, 
music, parenting, love, humbleness, hurt, pain, joy, and all the things that might make you say, hmm, I never thought of it that way. Hopefully, anyway. Also, I take a stab at answering tough and not so tough questions. And all the while, understand that, listen, sometimes you end up in the hot seat and there's no thermostat. Well, that's how it is here. And because there's no topic, well, very few topics off the table, Trontonians will understand that Doug Ford reference there. (laughs) Hopefully the podcast will be helpful and uplifting. And hey, maybe you'll find your own private Idaho here somewhere. Hope to see you soon.